The Satellite Sisters Word Ride Festival is presented by Audible. Download your free audiobook today at audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being here today. We're excited to continue on with our series of author interviews that we call Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. It's our summer reading list for 2015. And today our author is first-time author, which I love talking to first-time novelists because that's such a singular experience, bringing out your first novel. Uh, Her book is Love and Miscommunication. Her name is Alisa Friedland. She is uh, a... She's a lawyer, she's a writer, she's a mother, and now she's a guest on Satellite Sisters. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Hey, what? um, We're going to talk all about love and miscommunication. It's an interesting sort of take on modern love and how social media can be your friend or your foe in that pursuit. Um, But first, I just wanted to ask a couple things about your background. Um, What is it like having your first novel out? It's just been out a little bit. You're now on the road. You're doing interviews and stuff like that. You were a lawyer previously, and now you're a novelist. What's that like? You know, it's weird because it's honestly, it's a dream come true. And I worked so hard to get to this place. And then it's almost like after your wedding, like you wake up the next morning and it's like, now what's the next big thing that's going to happen to me? Because there was so much tremendous buildup to this moment. I mean, I started this book, you know, maybe four years ago. Okay. bunch of kids and I had to take time off for various things. And it was a really long labor of love. And then to see it out in the world, it's so rewarding getting emails from people who are reading it and telling me how much they're enjoying it, sharing their feedback with me, especially my close friends who I think can't help but picture me when they're reading the book. Right. And that's been really fun, just getting lots of text messages and emails from them saying how much they're enjoying it because I didn't have that many early readers. And this is the first chance for many of the people in my life to read the book. It's really amazing walking into a bookstore and seeing it. It's exciting. I love my book, my jacket art. It's bright yellow. It is. It's very eye-catching. Yeah. Yeah. And they, by the way, the publisher nailed that on the first try. Mm -hmm. I expected it to be a tremendous back and forth. I thought I'd be so particular about what they come up with. They nailed it on the first try. I couldn't have been happier. It's been an incredible, incredible journey. I have nothing but positive things to say about the experience. (laughs) Well, that's good. I think we have a lot of would-be writers that listen to these interviews and they're always searching for inspiration to keep going or to get started. How did you actually, like, is this a story that was bubbling around in your head? It's the story of a lawyer who um, is overly enthusiastic about social media and her email and working working on personal stuff on work time and she ends up losing her job over it and so then she goes into to this social media blackout moratorium, uh, digital detox, what you will. And she kind of learns a lot about her relationships with her family and her friends and her romantic relationships during that time. So that's essentially the story of love and miscommunication. Was that something bubbling around in your head for a while before you actually put pen to paper? Well, I have a writing background. And before I went to law school, I had worked at New York Magazine. I'd worked at Modern Bride. 
I thought I would become a journalist mm-hmm. and sort of took the path of least resistance and going to law school felt a bit <laughs> safer to me and to get to stay in school a little bit longer and on my parents' tab and all that good stuff. But I really wasn't satisfied in my job. And it was, I don't know that I necessarily knew I would write a novel, but I dreamed of going back to writing mm-hmm. and tweeting to magazines again. But I started to think a tremendous amount, basically three things happened in my life that made me focus so much on the internet and social media. I attended my college reunion. Okay. It was the most surreal experience because it wasn't what a reunion should be. You normally want to look great and you want to lose weight for a reunion. You want to look <laughs> fabulous and have news to report, but not when there's Facebook and everybody already knows every single thing about you. It is true, so, isn't it? It's it weird now. Experience. And, and it, I could see that we were entering into a new, I'm fascinated by social norms. And you didn't know at this point, should you say to someone like, oh, you look so great. Your child is so cute. You're this, oh, congrats on the new job. Because that means that you're following their Facebook page. Should you not be? You know, should you pretend, say, hey, where are you living? When actually, <laughs> That's you true. just looked at their page. You're kind of like stalking them a little bit online and they don't know it. It was weird. So that was a very strange experience. I also, at the same time, my husband and I had tried to set up a friend and we wanted to set him up with a girl who I can't remember her name anymore, but let's say it was like Jennifer Smith. She had okay. a, name, let's a say super that. generic name Yeah, that she could not be Googled. I mean, you, you Googled her name and a million returns came back and he couldn't find a picture of her and he wouldn't go on the date with her without a picture. And I saw that because there's so many, you know, there's so much information out there. He's like, why would I take this girl out when someone else will set me up and I can see if the girl's pretty before I actually go out or if I'm attracted to her that upset me. And it was like the blind date as we know it is over. You expect to not only see a picture, but to see a picture of the person's friends and what they did last night and what they had for breakfast on Instagram. And then finally, when I was at work at the law firm, someone came over to me and said, oh, it's really cool that you met your husband at such and such. And I I said, well, I know I never told him that, but it was like a little detail in our wedding announcement that was in my town paper. And I realized, well, he looked me up. Oh, not my sure gosh. That remembered that that's how he got the information. And in my book, In Love and Miscommunication, there's a great scene. I don't want to give it all away, but there's a, a great scene that you might remember where Evie, the main character, is out on a date and she says something to her date that he says, "I, how do you know that? Like, did you Google me? Yeah. And <laughs> yes. Yes. I just thought there is such a great story here. And I realized for so many people, life would be very different without the internet. And I don't just mean distraction wise that they're not, they're going to be able to watch a TV show or read more novels without the internet. I mean, the choices they make, they might make a new friend that they wouldn't made, wouldn't have made otherwise if they didn't look the person up and maybe find something that they don't find appealing. I know you know, when I get my nursery school class list, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of tempted to look up the other parents. Who are these people? Oh, you've done it. Come on. Yeah. Of course I've done it. But I actually have stopped because it's been so much more fun seeing what people choose to share with me, when it comes out, how it comes out. It's It's been nice letting life happen a bit more organically. And that's definitely the message of my book. It absolutely is. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, 
aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is gonna happen. <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting (laughs) rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. In fact, I'm looking at the question that I wrote down to ask, like, 
you know, it's been a long time since we all discovered each other organically and over time, not all at once from Facebook. And I think that's one of the things that really comes, it's a reminder to the rest of us to like, oh yeah, why don't we slow down? Why don't we pull back? Why don't we not Google each other? Why don't we just, you know, let relationships actually happen? All kinds of relationships, friends, relationships, you know, doctor patient relationships in your book happen organically. And that's really fun to see. Now, now, in your book, um, I, I, your friends think it's you. Obviously, when you write a first novel, everyone thinks the main character is you. But in your book, Evie is fired from her law firm uh, because she spends too much time on social media and attending to personal stuff. Even though she's doing a very good job, she is spending too much of the firm's time on her personal stuff. Did you have an issue with that at your law firm? I'm sure you were not fired. but um, I was, was not fired. Okay. <laughs> Did that happen to someone you know, though? Was that no, just, yeah. it didn't happen to somebody I know, but I did feel guilty. I was always checking my email and it was, Evie's at a more of a crossroads in her life than I was when I was there. I already had my first child. I was married. I was pretty settled in my life and my friends and everything, but I still was like always looking at my email while I was doing work to see who's emailing me to say hi, who's asking for dinner plans. Evie is really at a crossroads in her life. She wants to find out like who's calling her for a date, which friend is doing what she's kind of keeping up with the Joneses. She can't disconnect. And when I was at work, I mean, I hope my boss, you know, doesn't ever listen to this. I loved him so much, but I was <laughs> nice cover. I, I Good hope, cover. I mean, yeah. He, he, he was an amazing, amazing guy. I honestly mean that. And everyone I worked with was great, but I was really obsessed with words with friends. And this is so mortifying, but I couldn't, stop moving. If I would see that whoever I was playing against moved in words with friends, I had to move right in the middle of the workday. I was playing full on Scrabble games. <laughs> okay. It was terrible. And I was serious about my job and I think I did a good job, but I clearly would have done a better job without the Scrabble. So do you think that's generational? Because I'm Gen X. Are you a millennial? I don't know how you characterize yourself, but I feel like I don't like... know what I am. I'm 33. What okay. I, yeah, I think you're a millennial. You're yeah. So, and this book felt very like a millennial love story to me. It's you know, said the woman in the book is 34, her 35th birthday is impending. She lives in New York City. Do you think that's generational? Because I I look at people like my husband who has a corporate job, like never in the middle. First of all, he doesn't even know what words with friends is. So he. <laughs> He doesn't even, even though he, he does like strategic stuff with technology, he can like barely download an app. So uh, do you think it's an issue with your generation or do you see it seeping out to others? I think it's, okay, here's what I think. I okay. think that it's my generation that's definitely obsessed, but I think anyone that gets into the technology and gets more comfortable with it and uses these things, the addiction grows on them because yeah. I have a number of like my mother and father are not, they don't use any of the social media. But I think if they did, they would quickly grow addicted because a number of my friends' parents who are the same age as my parents, you know, in their mid to late 60s, early 70s, who have gotten comfortable on Instagram and Facebook are just as addicted as I am. Because I think we all get addicted to the fix of new information. And the trick is to not get addicted in the first place. Because once you get addicted to constantly getting a jolt of new information every two minutes when you refresh your screen, it's very hard to break it. So I don't, I think that it's, it's my generation in the sense that it all cropped up now where yes. we're younger and we're at, we're the ones that work every day in the jobs and sort of the, the, you know, well, you, you've never lived a life without it. 
I mean, I've never I, really, like, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I first started my first corporate job at 22, email was new. You know, that was so that's that was all new. The internet was kind of new then. So, but you've never lived a life without being very connected. So, but I think that I look at my own mother, and I think that if she were on Facebook, I think she would love it, and I think she would want to check it every single day <laughs> and a few times a day. It's just the fact that she's never gotten started yeah. that's saving her. Okay. All right. We're talking to Alyssa Friedland. Her book is Love and Miscommunication. It's just out. It's in paperback. It's a really fun romantic comedy set in modern-day New York with very modern manners and social media and some romance. But one of the interesting things I thought... Um, about your book, uh, Alyssa was the main character decides to go on this moratorium. She changes her life. She decides the digital detox. And one of the connections she really loses is with her friends. Like yeah. that, everything is done electronically now. No one sends invitations. No one even picks up the phone anymore. And I love that your main character has to keep saying, if you want to talk to me, call me, which seems pretty obvious, but no one talks on the phone anymore. So yeah, her her friends love her. She loves her friends, but if they're, if she's not participating in the group text messages and she's not responding to the paperless posts, they kind of can forget a little bit. And I could see that happening. And it's not really because I, if I were to disconnect, I, I could see my friends who love me, I could see them overlooking, you know, inviting me to a party because I just don't remember that I'm not going to see that paperless post. And that was sort of my, my point. And I've talked to someone recently who just finished my book and she said, you know, when people call me now, I actually think it's rude. Like why are they? Yes. Like she's like, I don't get that. I assume you're going to the hospital because like, why else would you have picked up the phone to call me? Yeah. It's become like an intrusion. And actually I kind of feel like a friend called me today to ask me about dinner plans. And I, I almost thought, well, that's weird. Why didn't you just text me? Why did you call? I <laughs> Which mean, she's that's a huge I, shift. That's a huge shift in, in communications. It yeah. is. I thought it was strange. And she's a big texter. So I don't totally understand why she decided to call me for that. And something I'll, I would even ask her because I'm curious. It's so unusual to receive a phone call for that kind of logistical set up a dinner type of conversation that I'm going to ask her next time I see her what made her pick up the phone. <laughs> Because it was so unusual. Maybe she just wanted to hear your voice. Well, Is there any- last night. I'm sure she's sick of me. So, <laughs> um, You know, what, let's talk a little bit about writing the book, actually, because were you writing it while you were? Are you still practicing law? No. Okay. No, so I'm suing this now full time. Uh, okay, great. So did you sign up for a class? Did you go for it on your own? You know, did, did you? I, yeah, go I for it. Tell class. me your process. People love okay. hearing process. So my background, like I said, I, I did have a writing background. And when I was in undergrad, I was the managing editor of our college paper. So I had a tremendous amount of writing experience, but in a totally different realm. I was reporting. Yeah. And, but I am a creative person and my process was not to outline. I just sat down and typed and made a million revisions. It probably would have been easier. And for my second book, which is taking, which is told from two different perspectives and I have two, uh, two major characters, I feel like I, it's a little bit more complicated and I'll need to outline more, but mm-hmm. I did not do any outlining. I had a vision of a woman who gives up the internet and ends up in a very different place than she would have had she not given it up. And that was my overarching theme. And then the 
ancillary characters were built from my own life. I looked around at my friends. Some of them are composites of people I know, details, things I love, little quirks. I just became the most observant person in the world. And not because I tried to become more observant, but because I was writing a book, Mm -hmm. I would be out riding the subway and I would see someone biting their fingernails in the most unusual fashion. And I would think, what a great detail for the book. And I would jot it down on my smartphone, actually. I would pull out my my iPhone and I would have the notes section. I would say like fingernails and that would be my reminder, you know, <laughs> like little behaviors yeah. or, or strange way somebody was dressed that I feel I felt like would be a great thing to write about. I wrote it down and I did take some classes. I signed up for uh, two semesters at the Gotham Writers Workshop, which is just like a very casual place um, downtown in the city. And I went once a week and we were in writing workshops. The first was a beginner class and they got some, some kind of kooky, crazy people there who weren't that serious. And, but then once I got to the more advanced level, it really was just absolutely phenomenal. And we workshopped our papers with our classmates and I started writing the book in the class and I got some great early feedback and wrote the book, showed it to some friends, showed it to some family, got some honest feedback. You definitely, anyone who's trying to write, you know who your friends are that are going to be honest with you. Don't waste your time showing it to anybody who's just going to tell you they love it no matter what. And we know who those people are. I think that holds a lot of writers up is that they're either afraid to show their work or when they get feedback, they, they don't internalize it. They dismiss it. So, and a lot of first time writers are just paranoid about signing up for a class as if someone's going to steal their idea. But the truth is it's just so hard to finish a novel that go right. ahead, steal my idea. Like, I dare you because you probably couldn't finish the book it's anyway. It's so funny you say that. I was definitely worried about that. I was like, my concept is so good. My concept is so strong. Somebody's going to steal it. And probably someone could have taken it. And, and I have, because I have three kids, I have very little free time. So it takes longer to write a novel than it takes somebody else who has, you know, all the time in the world. It There was like a slight danger, but it's like anything in life. You know, you just have to be somewhat of a trusting person and hope for the best. Right. Right. But yeah. I'm still a bit guarded. I mean, for my second novel, I'm not running around broadcasting. You know, I'm telling my friends what my second novel's about, but like, I'm not putting it up on my website. I mean, right. not until I sign my next book deal. So <laughs> good thinking. That's the lawyer in you, but, but that's also good thinking. Yeah. But I, but I did. I mean, I think that the writing classes were great. And I think, like I said before, just showing it to people who are very honest, the same people that tell you when you have lipstick on your teeth and your outfit is, you know, not zipping all the way up in the back. Those people are the ones who are going to be honest with you. And they really saved my book, I would say, from ending up, you know, in the bin at an agent, you know, just with one page read. I mean, it was already in pretty good shape by the time I went out to get an agent. That's great. And did they, did you make changes based on their feedback then? So my agent was fantastic. She signed me and she was, I, I adore her. And she said, you know, I want you to work with this freelance editor that I always work with because she's, she's like, I know your book. I know I can sell your book, but I'm not able to make it better. That's not my specialty. You mm-hmm. know, she's like, I'm more of the business side. And she set me up with a wonderful freelance editor. And I just owe so much to her for making, I mean, we just saw eye to eye and she's had moved out to California. She was working at random house and she was such an accomplished editor with so many great books under her belt. And we worked together for about, I don't know, maybe 10 months or so. I mean, writing is, that's the other thing. I'm in the corporate world. Like I was used to everything moving very quickly. Right. But this is a slow process and it's a slow burn. And 
my agent kept saying, I was like, isn't she eager to sell my book? And she would just say, take all the time in the world, take the time, make sure it's what, where you want it to be before we go out to sell it. And she didn't ever pressure me. And I was so surprised because I was used to like sharks from the business world. <laughs> and yeah, see, it's a slow, it's just a slow, slow burn. So then she went out and she sold it. And uh, from the time of sale and that to the time that the book's available, it was one year. Oh, you're right. That, and that's a fairly typical timeline. I think very people... tip. it was like exactly what they said it would be. They were right. like, you know, somewhere between 10 to 18 months and it fell exactly at 12 months. Now I noticed that you're doing some fun things out on your book tour, but I particularly noticed we're recording this, uh, in May just before Memorial day weekend. And I noticed that your book is going to be a giveaway on the Hampton Jitney this weekend. Yes. I'm very excited. So tell people who are not from the New York area, what happens on the Hampton Jitney that Friday before Memorial Day weekend? Is that, is that something you've experienced or you know what happens on that Jitney? What? Yes, what yes, okay. Yes. Tell, tell people what that's like. The Jitney has, you know, lots of people. I mean, anyone who doesn't have a car, I mean, ton of, tons of us living in New York who go out to the beach um, on the weekends in the summer who go to the Hamptons don't have cars. We live in the city. So the Jitney is super popular and it's very social on the bus. And they give you these amazing swag bags now. I don't know if that's always been. <laughs> that's incredible. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like whoever has a new sunscreen launching or a lip balm or this or that or magazines. And it's part I mean, it's expensive. I don't know how much it costs to go on the Jitney, but it's not cheap. And you get something for your money. So I was really excited that they picked my book as their Memorial Day weekend giveaway. I was more than happy. You know, the publisher was thrilled as well because it's a great summer book, I think. I think that it's a great book because all the people on the Jitney are probably were probably planning to spend the entire three hour drive to the Hamptons on their phones. Yes, exactly. And now that is it, a self selected crew you got there on that Hampton exactly. Jitney. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I think there's gonna be tremendous buzz from the book being there. And I'm hoping that I when I go to the beach I see some people <laughs> reading it. That's gonna be a really rewarding thing. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, you I like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame-bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are like... going to be happy, okay? Yeah. And that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be happy. You're going to be happy you did it. 
See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. Yeah, (laughs) either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Um, so, th- so people have been reading it now. It's been out. Have you gotten any surprising feedback? Did this book hit too close to home for people that kind of recognize themselves in the main character as somebody who may need to reassess their relationship with social media? Everyone, I mean, you know, you can go on Amazon. I've read my Amazon reviews. I mean, oh, I you're brave. You're very brave. I've, yeah, I've been doing it. I think it's because I'm new and I'm naive. I'm sure <laughs> that, you know, and if, once I get one really, really horrible one, I will, uh, I'll probably stop. But I've been reading my Amazon reviews and, and it's, no one has said, I was worried people would say it's not realistic. Like you can't go offline. And I'm happy that nobody said that so far because I worked really hard to build a realistic picture of a person offline, but you know, I was concerned about that criticism. No, everyone's basically so far said that it's made them reevaluate their own usage of the internet and social media, and it's made them reflect. So I would say the same. After I finished the book, I was like, oh gosh, I got to rethink a few things. But I think you really did build a realistic version. There were times when I just wanted to scream at the character, just Google him, just right. <laughs> just check right. your email. How can you not check your email? <laughs> so. But it's something I feel, you know, I feel that you can't just sort of quit partially. I mean, I think there's guidelines. Like I'm pretty strict with myself as far as I don't want to look at my phone the second I wake up. And I was doing that for a while and I stopped and it's gross. You haven't brushed your teeth yet. I mean, (laughs) I I wear glasses and contact lenses and I would be, you know, let's say my glasses, I couldn't find them in the morning. I didn't have my contacts. I was squinting to read my new emails before brushing my teeth while my kids were jumping on me in the bed. And I thought, well, this can certainly wait 20 minutes, you right, know? So right. now I'm very strict about not checking it 
um, and giving myself sort of parameters. Like I won't look at my phone until nine o'clock in the morning, like nothing. There's no reason I need to respond to somebody at 7.15 a.m. That's good. So good for I you. I started to do that, which has been really, really helpful. And social media as well. I think it's important not to like let myself breathe a little bit. I was just um, interviewed on the radio right before this. And I was talking about crossing the street and how we do a lot of walking in Manhattan. And it's like about a minute. If you're at a red light waiting to cross the street, it's what maybe it's red for a minute or, you know, waiting for the walk sign. And I was pulling out my phone to entertain myself while waiting to cross the street. Since when did one minute of boredom become like the worst thing in the entire world? And I would be combing Instagram in that brief break. And I thought, well, I could just look around or let my brain have a rest instead of having to give it a jolt of new information. So I think for Evie, the whole point of why she had to give it up for an entire year and why she really had to go cold turkey is that it's very hard to, you know, it's like, I'm going to quit alcohol, but except for Thursdays, I'm going to drink a lot. Like that's just not possible. You know, you have the taste for it. You want to drink all the time. You know, you want to, you check your email. You're used to always looking at your phone. It's hard to say, but not on Saturdays. Right. Right. Well, here in the rest of the world where we drive, we check our email at red lights as well, but we're in our car. So it's like illegal and it's stupid. Right. Since when can we not just sit at a red light and let the red light be and look around? Well, it's particularly true for writers that you need to put down the phone and look around because you need to steal details like people eating their fingernails on the subway for your next book. (laughs) Now, now, Now you have so much at stake. You know, there is a really lovely relationship in the book with Evie and her grandmother. Is that based on a relationship that you had or you've observed or, you know, where did that come from? Well, what I loved about her being so close to her grandmother, it didn't come from me. I loved both my grandmothers, but wasn't particularly close to either mm-hmm. of them. I'm very close to my mom. Uh, so that I would say like some of the closeness okay. comes from that and I'm close to my family. But what I liked about why I had her so close to her grandmother, almost closer to her grandmother than her mom was like, I, I like the return to traditional values where it was sort of like the grandmother is very old school and she just wants to see Evie married and settled. Then the, the mom is more of a modern woman, I would say like mm-hmm. she's, not as obsessed with it. And she's, you know, she had a career of her own and she loves her daughter very much, but doesn't put pressure on her. And then Evie kind of in this way that makes her feel a little bit like a traitor to being a woman and a traitor to feminism. She kind of aligns herself a little bit more with her grandmother. And I love the idea of the generational bookends kind of, you know, feeling like they shared more values than sort of the mother in the middle. Well, that's really comes through in the book. It's a really nice contrast and it plays well with the whole concept of the digital detox, that there is actually a way to meet people and to foster relationships that don't involve Facebook. (laughs) And that's really, the grandmother represents that very successfully and she's a delightful character to read. So Alyssa, what's up next for you? You said you're working on another novel. Are you doing other stuff or, you know, is the book tour going to take over for you this summer or how are you managing your time now? Well, I'm headed out to California to promote the book in June for two weeks. So I'll be in San Francisco, San Diego, and Los Angeles. All right. Yeah, Los Angeles. Okay. I love LA. I'm very excited to go. And I feel like I'm going to eat some really good food when I'm there. (laughs) Like great restaurants. Um, What else? I've got some events lined up for the fall. I need to carve out time to progress on my second book. I've, I've been doing some freelance pieces, contributing to magazines and websites. So that's been fun. 
And I'd like to take a little break and maybe give myself a week of no work because I've been working nonstop. But I've been thrilled with the response that so many book clubs have chosen. That's neat. Yeah. I didn't totally expect it. I kind of thought that book clubs will, I I am not in a book club. I haven't been in one for a while. But you're busy. You're busy. You got a lot to do. But I had thought that they would maybe pick books that are a little bit more like some World War II book or some, you know, like orphans in, you know, Zimbabwe, like very (laughs) serious subject matter. And this is like more of a fun read. So I didn't expect such a massive response with book clubs, but I've been getting lots of requests for people for me to call into book clubs and Skype with book clubs. Oh, great. I'm really excited. And I think it's just the digital thing that everyone is so excited to talk about social media. And that's why the book is doing so well with the book club community. So that's been really rewarding for me. Yeah, it definitely hits a nerve. It definitely hits a nerve. Well, if you are interested, I will put everything you need to know about love and miscommunication and links to Alyssa's website at SatelliteSisters.com. The book is in paperback, which is also a really nice thing for book clubs. You know what? Because a lot of book clubs have a sort of no, no hardcover rule just because paperbacks are everybody can get a paperback. So I think that's another, a great, uh, a great thing to do to reach out to book clubs is to publish in paperback. So congratulations. And we've so enjoyed talking to you. I wish you the best of luck. Keep writing. And uh, maybe we'll see you when you're in Los Angeles. It would be terrific. Yes, please let me know. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alyssa. Stay with us. A little bit more with Satellite Sisters when you come back. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'd like to thank Audible for sponsoring our WordWrite Festival. If you've been listening to Satellite Sisters, you know they're a great supporter of ours, and we appreciate that. If you're dying to try an audiobook, summer's a great time for it. If you're hitting the road, you're going to be stuck on the Hampton Jitney. Why don't you get yourself an audiobook at Audible? They have 150,000 titles and a lot of great reads for the summer. You need to use our special URL to get your download for free. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters, audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Thanks to Audible for supporting Satellite Sisters, and thanks to Satellite Sisterhood for supporting the people that support us. I'd like to thank our guest today, Elisa Friedland. Her book is Love and Miscommunication. For more information about that and all of our WordWrite authors as we go through this summer interview series, you can always go to SatelliteSisters.com, SatelliteSisters.com. Join us on our Facebook page if you're not a member of our group yet. Come on. We have a good time over there. We are constantly, constantly swapping book suggestions. Uh, So if you're a reader and uh, you want constant updates on what you should be downloading or what you should be reading, you are going to want to join the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Just go ahead and ask to join. And if you're not a bot, we will approve you. You can also join, like our official page at Satellite Sisters as well on Facebook. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. We appreciate it. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.